0: latest version of robin hood played by russell Crowe, and robin had this idea about his life that he was gonna just live in nottingham and live out his life in a normal way and then he had this sort of prophecy or this thing that came on him it seems like from god that said he should rise and rise again and help lambs become lions that's what happens when god's plan takes over in our lives If you're listening to us today or if you're here for the first time, we welcome you to Highlands. We hope you feel this fellowship of the Spirit that's being developed here. We especially welcome those listening in Helsinki, Finland. Hard to believe that we actually have listeners in Helsinki, but we welcome you this morning. I don't speak Finnish. I do speak Danish, but I won't speak anything in Finnish, so I don't offend a whole country. But we uh, do welcome you this morning, and we are on our fourth message of our series called Words of Wisdom. And we've been looking for the last uh, four weeks, uh, three weeks today and fourth week. We're going to continue this summer at the book of Proverbs. And I hope you take this book as a personal devotional this summer. A lot of people ask me, Graham, where do I begin in the Bible? I mean, it just seems so intimidating. And I would say if you're awake in the middle of the night at two in the morning, pick up the book of Proverbs. It's like a one-sermon sentence, and you can just read it and get all kinds of meaning out of it. Last week was 4th of July, and we looked at how our job as a country is to defend the weak. And when we have done that as a country, when we've taken care of the poor, when we've helped the needy, we've been a great country. And we found that idea not from, like, Thomas Jefferson, but we talked about how that came from, of course, Jesus, who said, take care of the least of these. Before that, Solomon and Abraham. This is a part of our faith, helping those who need help. And the reason we do that is not just because, like, it's like a nice thing to do, it looks good on a flag, it's because there's no way that we can actually help others more than Jesus has already helped us and will continue to help us in our lives. Heard about this pastor's wife who was at home one day and she got a knock on the door from this really kind of seamy character. He had these big big lamb chop uh, sideburns and he didn't seem like a nice man and he came to her and said, "Uh, ma'am, I just need to tell you that I'm really upset about the poor and she said, well, I am too, but why are you here? And he said, well, I'm really upset about one particular family of poor. He, the father has died, the, the mother is sick, there are nine kids, they are sick, they are about to be thrown out onto the streets, and they can't pay their rent, and this, the afflictions of the poor are just so great. And she said, I know, but why are you here? She said. He said, well, they, they have to pay their rent, and it's $400, and they can't pay it. And she said, okay, who are you? I'm the landlord, he said. So we, uh, we have to be careful about sometimes about people who come to us with real needs that aren't real needs. But just know that you're going to be burned now and then when you help others. You are just going to be burned, but that's not a reason not to do it. One of the things I love so much about the summer is a time to talk to people about whatever's going on. The fall and the winter are so busy. And so I love, I've had a great summer so far, just getting to know you better. And you've invited me out to coffee and lunches, and I've just loved having conversations with you. And if I was to boil down all of your conversations that you've had with me this summer, the one theme that I would say that comes through to me is that you feel that the plans that you once had for your life have kind of come to a halt. That the plan that you had for your life has just changed in some strange way. Just a couple of examples. I talked to a a woman who works for the state, and her plan was to retire in one year. Just one year. She had one year left to get pension. The state came to her and said that they were going to terminate her today, and then she wouldn't get a pension, or she could continue to work for another five years for a lot less money. What was her choice? Her plan just changed. I know of other people in retirement who planned to just go on vacation, one vacation after the other, and this was going to be the just the wonderful time for just kicking back in their lives. And they've had to alter that plan recently. I know of people who were planning for families, or people who were planning to be married, who've had to make alterations in those plans. And, and it goes on and on. I know people who were planning to move from teacher to being a principal and, and maybe from a principal to being a superintendent and that hasn't happened because of the things that have happened in the world. So what I want to talk to about today about is how you and I continue to plan in the midst of uncertain times. Our text today is a text that is written 500 years before Jesus by Solomon who wrote, and this has been an ongoing debate, by the way, the notion that God has an exact plan for your life is an ongoing debate. And it's a debate within people who have good faith. There are some people who believe that God exactly plans every move of your life. The left turn that you took at the stop sign, that was God's plan. And uh, being here, the seat that you chose this morning was God's plan. Other people believe that life is sort of this big coloring palette, that God says, here, here are several crayons. You sort of do what you want within these boundaries, and it's okay. We had a staff retreat this last year, and we had even a division on the staff. We had the Griffinites, the Katie Griffinites, who believe that God has an exact plan for your life. And we had the Foxites. The Foxites believe that God is given you a boundary and that you can sort of develop within that boundary what you want so it's fine to have that debate and that's the debate that solomon enters into 2500 years ago i want you to think about the plan that god has for your life or maybe how that has changed and let us look at the text we're going to learn today we're going to raise the lights not to make you feel self-conscious but to help you read your bibles if you have brought them today it's also on the screen on each side listen to god's word this is what solomon says about plans To man, he says, belong the plans of the heart. But from the Lord comes the reply of the tongue. The notion here is, and again, whenever you see the word man in the Bible, it means man and woman. To us belong the plans of the heart. I'm loving this Genesis Bible study. We just started Genesis last week and Wednesday noon. If you have half an hour, come to our Wednesday noon Bible studies. And I love what God said to Adam. He said, here's a garden. Do with what you want. Cabbages, tomatoes grapes whatever you want don't touch that tree but everything else you can do that's what god says to you and i make a plan for your life do what you do what you want as long as you don't touch that one tree but then he says the from the lord comes the reply of the tongue i love that it's like saying god has the final say we plan god has the final say it continues and all a man's ways seem innocent to him but motives are weighed by the lord All of our ways seem innocent to us, right? I have a daughter, Haley, who just turned two. And I used to think that my job as a dad was to just be compassionate and caring. And I've realized that my new job is to just keep her alive. And (laughs) so the other day she said to me she wanted to ride on her rocking horsey. She said, horsey, horsey. I said, fine. She said, backward horsey which meant she wanted to be backward on the horsey. It seemed fine, so she did that. Then she said, backward horsey couch. That meant she wanted to ride backwards on the rocking horsey on the couch. That seemed to bridge too far. Then she said, backward horsey couch daddy. Well, c- could I let the kid down? <laughs> so anyway, it was fine until mom came home. <laughs> All the plans of our lives seemed good to us backward, horsey couch. But they don't always seem good to God. Notice I also love the word motives here. The motives are weighed by the Lord. It isn't just like what we want. It's like what, why we want it. God determines whether our heart is right about why we want something. And it continues, commit to the Lord whatever you do and your plans will succeed. Again, this isn't like like a drive-through, like Calling orders into God and saying, I want this and this and this. This is actually saying to God in regular conversation, This is what I have plans for my life. What do you think? This is why a personal relationship with God is so important. And God, when it says succeed, the Hebrew word here is ka'un. Would you say that with me? Ka'un. Ka'un literally means God will actually make it right with his plan. God has a plan, you plan, and he will sort of justify those two plans, he will bring them together. And then the final part, I love this. The Lord works out everything for his own ends. Everything for his own ends. All things work together, says the New Testament, for good for those who love Jesus Christ. He brings things together, even bad things. I love this final. Even the wicked for the day of disaster, God brings that into alignment. Even the things that are awful. God is such a great God. He doesn't just work with like good ingredients. He can even work with bad stuff. And he can mold it into a great creation. And that's what he does. And that's what he's done with you and I. So this last week, I was in the gym working off my tri-tip barbecue bonanza from 4th of July. And I was trying that. I love that row machine. It's, It's sort of rhythmic, and it's not terribly difficult. My favorite row machine is the one that has a fish game on it. I don't know if you've done that one. But the fish game involved, you basically pull the thing faster, and the fish goes higher. And you pull it slower, and the fish goes lower. Now, stuff comes at you in the fish game as you're rowing this thing, and, you know, all kinds of bad fish come on. It's like Pac-Man, but the row version of this game. And, um, and you just row fast to avoid, like, the, the, the bad fish up top, and you row slower to avoid the fish on the bottom. It can look like you're completely psychotic if someone doesn't know you're playing this game. You're like... <laughs> anyway, so, so I'm playing this game, and I realized that's actually, like, that's life, like we are like those fish and we're swimming through this ocean and stuff comes at us and we all have a destination we're trying to get to but we can't like beeline it for that one place we have to slow it down here and speed it up here and we have to move here and we have to lower it and higher it here and and the only way we know how to do that is to be in regular conversation with god what God's plan is. And so he says, all right, go higher here and lower here and keep going steady in this way. I mean, that's been the history of Highlands Church. If you're new to Highlands Church, we welcome you. But how many were here at the very first service out on the hill? We had a couple in the 830. Yep, I remember that. Remember that very first service, they had planned like in 2005 that our church would be like 300 people after five years. And uh, this was all the experts from like down south. And they said, based on other churches in this area, this is kind of what's going to happen. That first service were 198 people. And so they figured they're going to have to change the plans a little bit. And uh, so, but the problem was they had already put in plans for this building to the city because it takes like two to three years for plans to go through for the city. Have you ever sat in this room and felt that you were in a room that was meant for 150 people? That's because you were. (laughs) You were. And so what they did, our planning guys, is to say, well, it looks like things are going to be a little bigger than we thought, so we're going to add an extra like 10 feet onto this side of the building. And that was very helpful for the drums, as you can see. (laughs) And uh, so we came to October, and there were like 300 people, and this was like, this was supposed to be the five-year prognostication about where we were going. And, And so the planners got together and thought, well, let's put a big worship space together. And we'll raise a bunch of money, maybe three tiers. And remember those rocking chairs with coffee holders and a great big center for people to worship in in town? And then the economy hit. And all those plans for this kind of bigger worship space were put way on the back burner. But that's life. You just you just to change your plans according to what happens and also what God tells you to do at that given moment. So I want to talk to you about plans because it's important that we do. The first thing is this, that you and I really do have to plan. There are a lot of Christ followers who say, don't plan. Just sort of let God do with your life what, what he's going to do. And Augustine once said, we should pray for miracles, but we should plan for success. There are a lot of people come into my office and say, Graham, I just need a miracle. And I'm like, no, you need a plan. And then God will intervene with a miracle. I heard about this couple who were uh, in a hot air balloon. They headed up into the stratosphere and there was, it was a cloudy morning like we had just uh, this morning. And there were thunder clouds and they headed up and they couldn't see anything on the ground at all. It was just totally dark down on the ground. And they blew through the stratosphere, what it felt like hundreds of miles through the stratosphere. And then the clouds parted and they dropped their balloon down in a place they had never never seen before and they yell down to a guy and they say sir where are we and the man on the ground says you are in a balloon (laughs) so the couple look at each other like what and one of them yells down to the guy on the ground sir are you an economist and the man on the ground says well yes I am how did you know that I'm an economist by just looking at me they said well There's only one explanation for a guy who says something so logical but tells you so little about where you are and where you're about to go. (laughs) Amen? (laughs) So planning is knowing where you are and where you're going, or at least having a plan about where you are and where you're going. And it's so important to have that in our lives. It's just an essential part of our faith. And I know that uh, there are people who are struggling psychologically with various kinds of depression. And my best piece of advice to you today is to plan. I remember I was going through a really hard time in my life. I I dropped out of college, my first year of college, and it was really difficult. And I remember I felt like sort of totally lost. And then I decided to just start to plan anyway. And I just started with small small plans. Tomorrow I'm going to walk the dog and uh, eat breakfast that was my plan for the day and the next day I said tomorrow I wrote it on a path I'm gonna walk the dog eat breakfast and read the paper and I did that the next day and then the next day I said tomorrow I'm gonna walk the dog eat breakfast read the paper and apply for college and that's what I did the next day and the next day I wrote walk the dog uh, read the paper eat breakfast apply for college take over the world no I didn't write that but (laughs) but we do have to plan it's an important part of our lives Anybody follow the uh, LeBron James crisis this last week in basketball? I'm sorry, many of you live in Cleveland, I hear that. LeBron James was supposed to go to one of four teams, right? Four teams wanted LeBron James. The Miami Heat wanted him, the Chicago Bulls wanted him, the, who else helped me? New York Knicks wanted him, and of course, the Cleveland Cavaliers wanted him. Now three of those teams had a plan for what they were going to do if they didn't get LeBron. Three three figured, well, it would be nice to have LeBron, but if we don't have LeBron, it'll be okay. One didn't have a plan. Their whole plan was LeBron. Not just for the team, but for the entire state's economic infrastructure. (laughs) The city council were praying for LeBron. That was their plan. That's not a plan. And one team didn't get that player, The the team that didn't have the plan for anything else. We've got to have a plan in our lives. And God wants you to have that. That's number one. Number two is this. When your plans fail, and they will sometimes, when your plans fail, it is time for God's plans to take over. So many people, as soon as their plans fail, figure it's over. I'm done. I've done my best and it's done for. I actually am encouraged sometimes when the plans that I make don't work. Because literally, I say, okay, let's see what you've got. (laughs) This was my plan. What was your plan for my life? One of my favorite examples of this is a guy we look up to as the greatest president, I think, in the histories of our country, Abraham Lincoln. And, you know, I know this could be an ongoing debate, who's the greatest president, but why I like him is he's a guy who constantly made plans and then had to alter them. Had plans and then stepped back and said, God, what is your plan? I mean, let me just tell you about his life quickly. In 1832, he wanted to be elected to state legislature. It wasn't God's plan. In 1833, he failed at business. He wanted to be a businessman. It wasn't God's plan. God's plan was for him to be a postmaster. Whoopee. In 1835, he fell in love with a woman. He, his plan was to marry her. God had plans for him to marry someone else. In 1836, his plan was to get through life. He had a nervous breakdown. But God's plan was to elect him to Illinois State Senate. In 1838, his plan was to be a Speaker of the House. He wasn't. He was elected to the State House. In 1843, he was defeated for Congress. He had plans for Congress. But his God's plan was for him to start a law practice. In 1854, he wanted to be in the Senate, but God didn't want him to. In 1856, he was defeated for the Senate again. In 1858, he wanted to be vice president. That wasn't God's plan. In 1860, he was elected president of the United States. His whole life was this, here's my plan, and God came forward with God's plan. And even as he ran the country, that's how we got through the Civil War. Okay, let's go this way. No, that won't work. So the tendency in our lives when our plans don't work is to give up. But that's when God's plans take over. Now I'll also tell you the tendency. The tendency sometimes is to add more of our plans onto our already bad plans. We keep driving forward. It's a terrible thing to do. There's a saying that goes, If at first you don't succeed, help me out. That's a stupid idea. (laughs) If at first you don't succeed... Step back, wait a minute, pray about it, figure out if that's actually a good idea. You want to hear a bad example of like a lot of bad plans? Just talk about the Donner Party. Remember this group? Now their first bad plan was they were going to take a shortcut. Instead of heading north along the Snake River, they were going to take that little green path down there. The only trouble was that was the Sierra Nevada Mountains. Bad plan number one. So rather than when that bad plan started and the snow started to fall, rather than step back and say, I think it's time to head back to Salt Lake, what did they do? They pushed forward. They went further and further into the snow. And then they did what is the dumbest thing to do. What did they do? They split up. Have you ever watched like a horror movie? And then they get to that point where they're like, you go here and I'll go here. Why do they always do that? (laughs) Splitting up is the dumbest thing to do. And that bad plan, splitting up, led to another bad plan, led to another bad plan. And it led to a lot of bad plans, mostly dealing with culinary things. (laughs) But, But our bad plans lead to bad plans. When things don't work out in our lives, it's time to step back. The final thing is this, though. God's plans are the best plans. They're the best plans. And it may not make sense to us. We think our plans are the best plans. Because we look at our lives and we say, this is my life. You don't see all of my life. You don't understand it all. But God's plans are better. And you may never know why the plan that you had for your life isn't going to happen. But God does. And he is doing it because he loves you. He's doing it because, because he knows that this is what's best for you. I had a wise person say to me recently, you know, this economy is just awful and a lot of people are being really affected in negative ways, but it might actually save our country because people who were prone to spend way more than they should are now having to step back. But I don't know, maybe God has a different plan. I was reading reading National Geographic this last week and I love that magazine and I love the pictures in that magazine. And I, this particular National Geographic was about an iceberg. And I literally said to myself, it would be so cool if this iceberg, like, was a bigger picture. And so Liana opened it, and I saw that there was a flap that opened this way and a flap that opened this way. And that was actually one of these great ones that had two more that opened like this. And it was this huge picture of this glacier. And I thought, that's how it is to see your life through God's eyes. We look at our life like that National Geographic magazine and we say, if only this could happen, I would be so happy. But God sees the bigger picture for our lives. He's seen the flaps when they're folded back. And his plan is so much better than your plan. The Bible says those that wait upon the Lord will renew their strength. They will rise up on wings like eagles. They will run and not be weary. They will walk and not be faint let's pray. Father, I thank you for your goodness, your greatness. We thank you that your plans are better than ours. We lay our plans before you today, and we ask that you would breathe through those. Our plans, we want our plans to be your plans. We want, more importantly, your plans to be our plans. So, Lord, reveal those to us, and we will keep swimming through these waters the best we can. In Jesus' name, amen.